Hello, and welcome to another virtual author chat at the Poison Pen Bookstore. I'm John Charles, and today the Poison Pen is delighted to welcome in a number of wonderful mystery authors that include Ellie Brannigan, who's here, um, also Mich Michelle Helen Klump, and Vicki Delaney, each of whom are going to be talking about their latest cozy mystery. Before we begin, I would like to let those listening in know the Poison Pen does have copies of all of our authors' books available. You can give us a call or go online to the Poison Pen. We'd be happy to connect you with these truly fabulous books. Now I'd like to welcome Ellie, Vicki, and Michelle. Thank you, John. Thank you. Hi, so glad to be here. We're delighted you could be. I'm always fascinated by authors and the kind of their journey to publication because most of you don't start off just being an author right away. You have a career before. And in fact, um, Michelle was talking about her career, which I found fascinating, but that's because I'm an economics major. But I'd like each of you to kind of tell us a little bit about your life before you became a published author. And why don't we start with you, Michelle? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my my first career was as a newspaper reporter. Um, so I I covered all kinds of things, crime, courts, weather disasters, uh, everything you can think of um, for newspapers in Texas and Arkansas. And then I moved to Houston um, and in Houston, energy is king. Uh, and so I ended up um, in the business journalism realm. So right now I'm actually covering, I write about commodity plastic Chemicals. How about you, Vicki? What was life like for you before writing? Okay, I was a uh, computer programmer and then I was a systems analyst. So I go way back um, that I was a computer programmer in the days we didn't have computers on our desks. Right? We did it all on paper. We sent it away overnight to be um, punched in the punch cards and the cards would come back and you'd run it through. And uh, we had one chance to get it right. We were allowed one mistake. So if there was an error, you redid it, you fixed it, you sent it off, it came back the next day and you ran it through and it was expected to work. So anyway, so I was in, career, in my career in computers for a long time. Um, computer business started changing. I really, really enjoyed the early days of my career where it really was, you know, one person in their computer doing one thing. And then it got obviously more complicated, more people involved, you know, more, I'm not really that much of a team player. So the more teamwork it got to be, the more complicated everything got and everybody's little part got smaller and smaller. Um, so I wasn't all that happy in the last few years of my career and I worked for a big bank and I thought, oh, maybe I'll try my hand at writing a novel. And I was lucky enough to have my first novel published by Poison Pen Press. So John and I are old friends. We've talked many, many times in person and, um, and on the internet. So my first books were Standalone Psychological Suspense. Uh, then I wrote an eight-part police detective series, also published by Poison Pan, and then I was lucky enough to land a contract for a Cozy Mystery, so that's where I am today. That's great. And what about you? are so smart. Ah. <laughs> okay, um, so I was a mom. <laughs> well, that's important. <laughs> and uh, as it turned out, I was uh, just thinking about this the other day uh, when I was I was talking with my friend. Uh, Patrice Wilton, who co-writes the Tracy Wilton series with me. Um, and I'm like, I actually, I was a florist and I did, you know, um, I worked at the school district and I, I was a barista 
I actually had all the perfect careers to be a cozy mystery right. amateur sleuth. <laughs> so, <laughs> luckily, never found a dead body, so it's all good. <laughs> Yet, that you're aware of. <laughs> um, okay, let's have each of you tell us about the book that brought you here today. And we'll start with you, Tracy, because you're appearing as Ellie Brannigan. Well, I'm here as Ellie Brannigan, and I am writing uh, the new uh, Irish Castle series for uh, Crooked Lane. And uh, it's um, it takes place, it's about Rain McGrath, who is a very... Uh, up-and-coming bridal wear designer on Rodeo Drive. And she wakes up on her 30th birthday thinking that she's gonna just rock it with these new marketing people. She's thinking maybe an engagement's gonna be coming her way. And she ends up going to work and finds out that her uh, ex has stolen her blind. All the bridal gowns are gone. That he's cleaned out his house with a professional cleaner. And the uh, bank account, of course, is also empty. And so um, just as it happens, you know, as we get to connect these things in writing, she also happens to find out that her uncle Nevin in Ireland has passed away. And she finds out that she inherits this castle that's like running down and there's, she doesn't want it. And she also inherits a cousin who she didn't know about. And so they're like, if you think about the um, the parent trap, you know, with Haley Mills, that's how I envisioned uh, Ciara and Rain, like total oil and oil and water. Um, but by the end of the book, of course, they end up learning how to work together. So it was so much fun to write, so much fun. And I think I could just like listen to the Irish accent. I love it. And that book is Murder at an Irish Castle. That was the yes. first. Um, what about you, Michelle? You're bringing us another in your cocktail-focused mystery series. Right. Yeah, I have copyright here. <laughs> Murder served me. Um, so, so my book starts off. It's the second in the series, um, and it starts off really just a few weeks after the first book ends. Uh, my protagonist, she's a former newspaper reporter who's just launched a cocktails and catering business with one of her friends. And she is catering a 4th of July festival being held by the German Texan Lodge in, in her community in, in Houston. Um, and <clears throat> the festival is supposed to be sort of like a public kumbaya moment for two sort of warring factions within this German Texan Lodge. Um, and they're fighting over a, uh, a proposal to build a country club style tennis club. Um, on the lodge grounds and there's half the group who don't want it and then half the group who do want it um, and the one who did want it they've won and the, it's it's under construction right now um, but they're all you know having this festival to show that bygones are bygones and they're all hunky-dory again but of course they're not <laughs> um, and of course somebody gets murdered and then um, the, the prime suspect is my main character Samantha her mother's best friend and so her mother encourages her to help sort of jump into the investigation. And so she actually gets to um, have her mom as a sidekick in, in her in her investigation this time. Mm -hmm. Kind of fun. Um, Vicki, uh, what about you and the latest in your Sherlock bookshop series? 
Sherlock Holmes bookshop series number eight is called The Game is a Footnote. Um, and the Sherlock Holmes bookshop series is basically about a character who owns a Sherlock Holmes themed bookstore. Um, but she's also the Sherlock Holmes character. She's my interpretation of Sherlock Holmes as a modern young woman, meaning she has the Sherlock Holmes mind. She has the attention for detail. She remembers things that are important. She forgets a lot of things that she doesn't think are important. She can sometimes be a little bit, a little bit, I think of a little bit as a cozy with a bit of an edge because the character can be a little bit difficult sometimes because she doesn't necessarily have a lot of patience for people that aren't keeping up with her thought process. So the way I was thinking about this the other day, I wrote an article for um, Jungle Red Writers about, I called it, I have an idea. So I wrote about where do you get your ideas? And one thing I sort of noticed with the Sherlock Holmes bookshop series, my idea is a word or a phrase. It's a little different than the way I approach some of my other books. For example, last year's book was um, a three book problem and the phrase was Country House Weekend. Next year's book, um, which is titled, what was the title? The Sign of Four Spirits. Um, the, the, the key word is seance. For this word, for this book, for the game as a footnote, the word was haunted house. Meaning I sort of thought, what did I want to explore? Oh, I'd love to work deal with a haunted house. So that's basically what it is. Jenna Doyle and her sidekick, um, Jane Wilson, who runs Mrs. Hudson's tea room next door to the to the bookshop, um, are asked to basically spend the night in a haunted house. And it's not it's a, the, uh, it's a museum, a historical reenactment museum, the oldest house in West London, Massachusetts, where they live, and strange things have been happening. Things moving, sounds in the night, mysterious figures that are there and then not seen when someone turns back. And Gemma Doyle, being the Sherlock Holmes character, is, of course, exceptionally practical. So her intention in going and spending the night is to eliminate the impossible. And the famous words of Sherlock Holmes, when you eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, no matter how improbable must be the truth. So they get there, storm arrived. You know, this is you know, maybe a little bit, uh, uh, what's the word, stereotypical, but I'm playing all the, all the uh, tropes here. That's what I'm searching for. You know, big storm arrives, huge storm breaks out and strange things start to happen. So rather than eliminating the impossible, Gemma Doyle and Jane Wilson are now dropped into uh, questioning what is really going on at Scarlet House. Is it actually haunted? And oh my goodness, someone ends up murdered. Have they been killed by a ghost? Tune and see. But there's also, <laughs> inter also international intrigue in this one when Gemma's uh, sister who is a shadowy figure in the highest levels of the British government appears on the scene. And we have to wonder why she's, what is she doing now? Mm. There you go. Game is a footnote, came out in January. January. That is such a great title. That is very, very clever. <laughs> uh, for better or for worse, most of your books are marketed as cozy mysteries. For someone that is not familiar with that, how would you describe a cozy mystery? And we'll start with you, Tracy. Oh, uh, okay. I I think what I have noticed for the cozy mystery is that it usually will be an amateur sleuth, you know, that um, in a small town, usually doing some kind of a not really, it wouldn't be like a job that would be, be like, um, 
in a bakery or in a bookshop is like very, very popular. And like yarn, cookies, any of those kind of things. And it, and it's a small town. And the, what I love actually about them is the, the community, like, um, like Michelle was saying about how she is able to bring the, um, the heroine's mom along with her, you know, that's character or the readers. I love it. They love to be able to see how you, uh, you grow that world throughout the series. Michelle, how would you describe a cozy mystery? Yeah. So I, I get the question a lot, um, from people who don't know, and, and I always start off with just think murder she wrote <laughs> um, <laughs> the perfect you know sort of entree into into the into the world but yeah as Tracy was saying I mean it's it's usually a small town but I, I sort of took a twist on that and set mine in, in Houston um, but the way I the way I got around that was that I set it in sort of a a, a cozy like neighborhood in in, uh, yeah. in the city and I, I think that you know as again as Tracy said I think that's the key thing is that there has to be a strong community feel you have to have recurring characters that feel like best friends you like to visit. Um, and and then the other cool thing that I think about Cozy's is, again, similar to what Tracy was saying, is all the different careers and different things. I mean, I've learned so much from reading Cozy's. I learned about how to knit. I mean, not that I would <laughs> ever knit, but like I, I like reading about it. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and baking and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that seems like it would be a fun career that you would like to explore, but you probably aren't going to. Um, so it's it's just a it's a it's a neat way to sort of explore a lot of different cozy feeling uh, careers. I think. Vicky, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I would add something. Those are certainly um, uh, you know I agree with with everything that uh, Tracy and Michelle have said. But I believe there's another dimension to a cozy, and to me, a cozy there is no real tragedy in people's lives. So often in the, a cozy, the character has suffered some kind of a tragedy, the death of her husband or something like that. And so she comes and sort of starts a new life. But within the context of the series, there is no real tragedy. Usually the dead person, the murdered person is somebody nobody liked or um, somebody that nobody knew, stranger to town. You never, ever are going to get a child abduction, a child murder, dis you know, that kind of stuff. There's no international terrorist. There's no mob. Um, as opposed to a noir novel in which a noir novel is about people who live in essentially a bad place and even though they may fix things it's still a bad place to live in a cozy novel it is a good place to live that has this thing has happened this interruption to um to their lives to the peace of their community and once that is resolved the guilty is brought you know to justice um, the community continues being a good place. There's no lasting repercussions. For example, you know, there's not going to be a terrorist bomb that will, you know, affect people in that community forever. You're just simply not going to get that kind of stuff. So to me, that, that to me is the essence of a cozy mystery. It's that, that kind of a, of a feel. And another thing I can say, sort of to allude to what Michelle said, that the, the hook is very important and cozy. I think the hook is what distinguishes a cozy mystery from a lot of, you know, what you might think of as just a, a traditional mystery, an amateur sleuth. You can write a book in which the character, for example, works in a bank, but you're not going to get somebody saying, 
you know, I went into Mrs. Jones's account and I looked and I saw that she was, you know, if she applied for social security, she could remove, you know, increase her income by X that you're not, but you're going to get a cozy mystery in which the character describes the cake they're baking, the, um, the stock they're making, whatever the books and the Sherlock Holmes bookshop series, for example, all the merchandise in that store exists in the real world. Yeah. She mentions the books she's selling, the products she's selling and all that. And that hook is what brings in many cases, the readers back because they're interested in the baking or the what books are current in the world of Sherlock Holmes. Um, you I, mentioned uh, the hook, uh, Vicky, for a series and the importance of it, which is wonderful because I'd like each of you to maybe expand on the hook in your series and why you chose it. And we'll start with you, Vicky, since you launched this. Well, I think that certainly in the Sherlock Holmes bookshop series, you don't have to be a fan of Sherlock Holmes to enjoy the books. There are no, the names of Sherlock Holmes books might be mentioned. In next year's book, I said the title is um, The Sign of Four Spirits, The Sign of the Four being a Sherlock Holmes book. But there's no, you don't have to know that book in order to understand it, meaning that there are clues dropped in that only a Sherlockian can understand. Um, I do have a few little Easter eggs in it. For example, there are 17 stairs in the Sherlock Holmes bookshop in an emporium leading up to the to the office on the second floor. And in Sherlock Holmes 221 Baker Street, there are 17 steps. Um, that kind of stuff I might throw in a little, like eliminate the when you eliminate the impossible, that sort of stuff. So I'll throw in little Easter eggs like that. Um, but they're not, you don't have to be a Sherlock Holmes affectionado to sort out the clues but I do like throwing in the names of the books and the names of the merchandise and that only kind of came to me sort of as an aside I thought you know rather than have her take a book off the shelf and say your son will enjoy this or your daughter will enjoy this I take an actual book that I can describe that exists as I said in the real world and I get a lot of I had somebody wrote me just the other day and she said do I have a list of all the books that have been mentioned in the series and I happen to just because I keep a record for myself so I so I sent it to her and I enjoy doing that I I have I've had authors write to me and say oh my gosh you mentioned my book in your book uh you know so I enjoy doing that and aside from books anything that's there she sells puzzles she sells games they all exist in the real world and I kind of had had fun pulling that stuff out. Also, just a quick little hook is the Mrs. Hudson's Tea Room next door makes delicious baked goods for your afternoon tea. Um, Michelle, what about you? Do you have to be a drinker to enjoy your series? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, I mean, no, not really. I mean, yeah, so I, I, I started writing this series because I do have an interest in cocktails, um, but it's not even necessarily about the alcohol. It's, it's my interest is really in, in like the different flavor combinations because there's all kinds of different, you can mix all kinds of different things like mint mixes with citrus really well. And you can get all these different flavor combinations that I think are pretty interesting, especially when you get in, involved in like bitters baking and stuff like that, because then you get involved in all sorts of uh, roots and things that you've never even heard of. Um, so that was where I sort of got interested in it. Um, and by no means am I actually uh, as uh, as skilled as my uh, main character at that. <laughs> um, so you just I, have to I keep practicing. <laughs> oh, so, so a little bit of it is is maybe uh, aspirational as opposed to, you know, <laughs> 
inspirational, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also include other, um, there's some food recipes in there too, because they're not just cocktails. They also do catering at, at their company. And then there's also, um, even on my website, like I put some mocktail recipes too, just because I know not, not everybody's into the alcohol, which is totally fine. Um, but, you know, you can, you can still mess with flavors and stuff for any, any drink really, or, or food for that matter. So that's, that's where I sort of came into it. Just, I, I saw it as sort of a, you know, I read a lot of cozies and I hadn't really read a lot of sort of cocktail themed cozies. And I thought, oh, that, that's an area that I'm interested in and interested in actually researching more about. Um, so that made it, made it more fun to me. There's been like a whole almost a renaissance in cocktails, craft cocktails over the last decade or so. So right. that was very smart on your part. It's very smart. <laughs> I'm, I am currently at a beach resort in Costa Rica, and I can tell you <laughs> the cocktails are very popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about your hook because I guess it would be Ireland for your new series. Well, Kind of, yeah, yeah. I think Ireland, but it's really Rain McGrath. She's like totally starting over, like what Vicky was saying. Like she had everything was planned down to the T. She wanted to be the best of the best of the best, and she had worked really hard for that. And I think that with when you're when writing for me at least, I want to make sure that that the character is relatable. Not everybody's going to relate to someone who's got, you know, this lease Mercedes and lives, you know, and works on Rodeo Drive, whatever. But if you take that person and you throw her into the, you know, this village that is like maybe haunted, possibly, she finds out that her uncle has been actually murdered and there's a lot going on. And she is connecting with her dad that she lost as a 12 year old. So, so I hope, I hope that people like that and so far the reviews I think they, they get it so but she starts off kind of I mean not spoiled but she starts off more polished I guess and what she wants is not really that relatable I mean how many people are like <laughs> sure I drive that and sure I live there and that's my view every morning and and her mom is an actress and um, so, and afraid of flying. So her mom won't leave Hollywood. And so she's really leaving everything to be able to start over. And Ireland, oh my gosh, so gorgeous. And um, she's got a dog named Blarney and the dog, she's ruined the dog and, and not everybody wants her there because they think that the castle should have gone to Ciara, the cousin. So she's really facing a lot of different obstacles and yeah. I don't know. Hopefully I'll be able to start the next book soon. Mm -hmm. Which is a great segue into my next question for you. Um, most of you have written books that are part of a series. And Tracy, you're just starting a new series. Yes. As an author, what are the advantages to a series? What are the challenges? Do you always know going in that it's going to be a certain number of books? Do you sometimes have to work yourself out of a tangle that you've gotten yourself into. So the question is about series from a writer's viewpoint. And we'll start with you, Vicki. 
Okay, so I like that question because I've done both. As you know, as I mentioned, I um, was first published writing standalone psychological suspense for Poison Pen. And there's advantages and disadvantages to those. I think that in a, in a standalone, you have a lot more scope to fully uncover the character. They face sort of the biggest challenge they'll ever have in their life or, they, or some, um, something from their past that is threatening their happiness today. And they have to deal with it or not. And that, that sometimes they don't too, but it has a beginning and an end. Um, and even though the end may be nebulous, but what I'm saying is that, that there's, the character has more opportunity and a standalone to really come out of their problems, to solve their problems, maybe to, you know, to get on their lives. In a, in a series, things kind of have to drag out a little bit, and that's good and that's bad. It, it's good because it gives you opportunity for a lot more books. Um, sometimes you sort of don't know how long you should, you know, the famous love triangle, for example, in a series, you know, I hear, I hear from readers all the time that they really hate it when a love triangle drags on. So how long do you make it drag on before people start to get upset? that it's going on for too long? That's a good question. And that's often asked in the series. So series you have, I think a series you have more scope also to explore the problems in the secondary characters, both the secondary characters, the friends, the relatives of the protagonist, but also the sort of what you might call the guest stars because the focus becomes more on their life crises and their life issues. Oh, they've been accused of murdering this guy, you know, so you want to solve that and wrap that up within the book. Um, I like doing them both. I like doing them a lot. Um, I'm strictly writing series now. I've kind of abandoned the standalones just because that's the way that things have gone for me. And I'm really liking writing the series. You certainly can take the character a lot further. I'm right now writing the 11th in the Lighthouse Library series uh, that I write as Eva Gates. Uh, when I started that series, I had no idea that it was going to come up to 11 books. And I, with any of my series, I'll write them as long as People want to read them and publishers want to publish them. I can always find something new for characters uh, to do. Michelle, what about you? Yeah, I mean, so I've only written the two books. Um, well, that's not sure. I have like one that's in my, you know, tr in the trunk in my living room, but it doesn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, so when I was first trying to learn how to write books, it, it was a bit of a challenge to think about something that was going to be a series just because you know, you think about the narrative arc being so important for a book. Um, and so what I sort of, I think I discovered a little bit along the way was that, that maybe in the first book, well, you can't complete the full narrative arc, right? You, you're not gonna, your, your main character is not gonna suddenly be, you know, perfect at the end of the book. Um, they're still gonna have some challenges they have to face. But also I think in, in continuing books, you, you find that you can start to focus on a narrative arc on um, some other characters. So for instance, you know, in, in the second book, um, I, I have some, some, some of my secondary characters having challenges that they're working through. And that keeps it interesting, I think, for the reader, um, just because, you know, you don't want to, you would you don't want to just have somebody just be dragged out their misery for book after book. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to focus on you know, different characters. And because it is this cozy and because community is so important, you do have these sort of secondary characters that you can, you know, you can focus on too. Tracy, you're just launching a new series. Um, is that exciting, intimidating? Um, do you kind of know, 
know where you're going to go or you're just going to kind of roll the dice and see what happens um i really am hoping <laughs> no i've got um i have ideas already for the others in this series so um yeah and I think that series is just, I've always written series. And that was, I think the best advice I ever got a million years ago, you know, was if you write a series, it's your readers will love it. Your publisher will love it, you know? And so I kind of always thought, you know, just in that way, even for my, for my romances or for my young adult stuff, it was, um, do you think there's sometimes though, from a reader's perspective, is that hurdle they have to overcome if you've written a series and you're on book 12 or 15 or 20, a lot of readers are reluctant to start with your new book. They want to go back to the beginning. Oh, well, um, I don't know. Gosh, I hope that they would just go for it. I hope that they would do it. I think I would, hope, um, I would hope so too, but there are some readers who are very <laughs> like, no, no, I have to start with book one. And, oh, and, that's, and that's absolutely true. But now, you know, in a way, that's not a bad thing. My first three of my Lighthouse Library series were published by Penguin Random House, and then Crooked Lane took them on. And I said, I'm writing the 11th. Now the 10th uh, will come out in uh, June. Um, and those books do really well. The first one in particular, and the, and the first three that were published with. Um, Penguin Random House. So I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that when I, you know, on my publicity train and say, here's the cover for the 11th book, doesn't it look really great? And that'll somebody will think, that looks really nice. Maybe I'd like to start that series. Yeah. So, um, which is one of the things, one of the advantages of the series, I think, is that there's still a lot of life for the earlier books in the series, where the standalone, not so much. I don't think people are, compelled. they might hopefully, like if I read a book by an author I want and I really like it I'm happy to go back and read their earlier work but it's not the sort of compelling feeling that you need to see where this series starts the way there is in a series book. Now I did see that for my Tracy Hall for the Scottish Shire series um, that this the murder at a Scottish wedding uh, with Kensington had just come out um, actually in January so I had January I had two books coming wow. out and they actually I think I think that the Scottish, and that was book four in that series. And I saw people going back to, you know, the first of Scottish Shire, but I also saw people going, oh, you're Ellie Brannigan? I'm gonna get this book because I love the Scottish Shire series. And so that kind of, I think, helped because Ellie Brannigan is so new, so. Um, when you have pseudonyms, how do you handle directing readers to your books? Do you put it on your website? Are you kind of not supposed to do that? Well, okay, so, and I just actually just <laughs> was asking Madeline at Cricket Link, just, I have the answer. She said that what she would like, you know, what she has found is that just to be able to have Tracy Hall and then also writing as Ellie Brannigan. And yeah. so that way I don't have to, because I have how, you know, a lot more followers as Tracy Hall, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so that's okay. I don't need to start over and have like a brand new Facebook page. You know. That can get confusing. <laughs> yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the overall writing process for you. Um, I know that, at least from a reader's perspective, I would think writing a mystery, you have to be somewhat structured because you have to plant clues, you have to know who your killer is, you have to have a victim. But there are some authors who just kind of start 
with page one and let the muse take them there. So what is your own individual writing process? And we'll start with you, Michelle. Um, so, so with my first book, I really just had the general idea of what I wanted. Um, and I was more of a, I guess they call it a pantser as opposed to a plotter. Um, I, I did just sort of let myself go and let the story tell it as I was writing it. Um, I won't say that's the most ideal way to go because then you end up <laughs> writing yourself in the corners and then having to delete huge passages that you've written. <laughs> um, and so for the second book, I, I had to write a synopsis, obviously, to get it to get the publishers to uh, to to move forward with it. Um, so that was at least a um, a roadmap of sorts, which was helpful. But but really beyond that, I didn't I didn't do super detailed plotting. I still sort of let the story um, unfold as I was writing it, which part of me, I mean, I that's I think just the way I operate. I just you know, I come from this newspaper background. Um, and so you just have to sort of write on the fly. Um, and so I, I think that works for me to some extent, but I, I still probably ran into a few corners that I had to back myself out of. But part of me, part of me thinks that's the fun part. <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind that so much. What about you, Vicki? You've had lots of practice writing. <laughs> I've had lots of practice writing. I should mention that I believe my book that comes out in June is my 50th published novel. Wow, congratulations. And I, uh, so I, when I started, I was not a, a plotter at all. I strictly was a, a pantser. As I recall, back in the early days, or the, my early days with Poison Pen, um, Barbara Peters was my editor. And I think, if I'm trying to remember now, I think she wanted to see the thir first 30 pages of your manuscript and so that she could see if it was going off track. So she didn't want a synopsis as such, meaning this is what can happen, this, can happen, this was gonna happen. Um, but then when I got, um, first of all, a contract with um, Penguin Random House and then uh, with Kensington and Crooked Lane, at the beginning anyway, they wanted a synopsis, a proper synopsis. Kensington still wants to see a proper synopsis, like for my fifth book that's coming out with them. Um, and I just, once I started doing that, I decided I liked it a lot better. So I now am much more of a plotter. I definitely um, write myself an outline, even if I don't have to show an outline to anybody else, I do it now. But I'm also still kind of a half and half, meaning I'll start the book, I'm writing the 11th Red House Library series right now, as I mentioned, I'm very much beginning it. So I'll start the book, page one, chapter one, and start with the very vaguest of vague ideas of what's going to happen. And I might write 10,000 words. I might write up to the point at which the murder happens, all off the cuff, and then I stop. So once I have the, now I have the basic outline or the basic plot set in my head, I have the characters introduced, and now I can do my outline. So from then on, I outline fairly, fairly carefully. I don't have a problem with diverging from it if I get a better idea, but I rarely do, because I find the outline works really well for me now, whether anybody wants to see it or not, I still have ideas. Gracie, what about you? I am a plotter, and I am so grateful that that was such good advice that I got, like, again, you know, when I was told about writing a series, they taught me how to take all of these stories in my head and to transfer them to like that 20 chapter grid with the post-its and all of that. So that's how I learned kind of how to separate story for the first time because I've 
I've kind of always written, you know, in some form or another. So to be able to take that chaos and be able to kind of see what the threads were was so helpful to me as an author, you know, and that was many books ago. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and it was super helpful writing the Salem B&B series because that one we were, I was writing with a, a writing partner. And so, and she's a pantser, not, so it was good that I was a plotter. So we were able to kind of come together with that. And we are on book, uh, book seven comes out in uh, September for that. So Mrs. Morris and the Wolfman. Oh, that's <laughs> um, Tracy, you've mentioned advice that you've gotten on writing. I'd like each of you to maybe think a minute and what piece of advice have you received about the writing process that has been most valuable to you? Well, <laughs> okay, I, I think that it's actually, so far as the cozy mysteries came, it was from my agent and he said, you just need to think of this as a happy little murder. <laughs> <laughs> so don't get too difficult with it keep it simple and yes and that really was good advice too michelle um so for me i think the advice that really helped me was um just to accept that the first draft is going to be terrible and be okay with that because you know Again, and I actually had to learn that lesson in, in journalism as well, because I used to like just agonize over the first paragraph of the first page for way too long and then end up having to rush everything else. Um, and really when writing a novel, I just would never get past that first chapter because I was always trying to revise it. And then finally someone told me, just don't do it. Don't look back. Um, just write it until you get to the end. Don't look back. And then much easier to edit something that's there <laughs> than an empty page. So. Vicky? And that actually kind of ties into the sort of advice I've received and that I give is that at some point in every book, there's a point in which it's not working. And it's usually what they call the soggy middle, right? You start off this really great idea, you have a climax in mind that's going to be so exciting, and you get there to the soggy middle. And that's the point at which so many people give up. I've done a fair amount of workshops and giving workshops and um, I used to teach a uh, eight-part creative writing class at my local library, and the number of people that would come that had, you know, four books that they'd started but they'd never finished. Now they were hoping to get someplace with their fifth. So the thing I think to be aware that everybody gets to the soggy middle, almost everybody, right? Um, obviously, I don't know how Stephen King works, but maybe he does. Um, but I mean that that most writers get to the soggy middle, and you simply have to realize that you have to work through it and very rarely I think is a book so bad that it's not salvageable uh, so carry on through don't keep going back like don't keep trying to make your first draft perfect um, but just keep working on through it and um, and you'll get you got to get through the soggy middle that's my advice <laughs> that's great um, all of you write cozy mysteries, but I'm guessing that you're also readers of cozy mysteries. Who was the author or authors that got you hooked on the genre? And we'll start with you, Tracy. I was, I know exactly. I remember exactly. I was a reader and I was a young mom and I was 
very, very busy and I needed that escape. And I had gone through all the romance side already. And I loved, you know, reading the historical romances. And then I kind of turned around and I saw these very bright, colorful covers of books. And I'm like, what is this? And I discovered uh, the Bad Hair Day series with uh, Nancy Cohen. Um, and I was hooked. <laughs> Michelle? So when I was a kid, um, I was reading Lillian Jackson Braun because I oh. loved cats and I loved mysteries. Oh. And that was like the greatest books ever when you're in middle school. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I sort of had forgotten about cozy mysteries, but then I was uh, a young reporter in Arkansas of all places and just trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to read now? And sort of like Tracy, I found this shelf with all these colorful mysteries. And I found the uh, Cleo Coyle's uh, Coffee House mystery series, which I loved because again, someone living in Arkansas, I got to read about like this exciting New York life, which again is sort of, you know, that that's not actually your typical cozy actually now, it turns out because it's in a big city, it's in New York City, but um, but it definitely meets the standards in, in every other respect. And, and I love those, I, I read, I still read all of those books now. So those, those are my favorite. Vicki, what about you? I particularly remember reading the uh, Diane Mott Davidson's uh, Gold, Goldie. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was a caterer. Um, and I think that was my first exposure to Cozy's in, in terms of, you know, the, that she was a woman with a business, um, with the son. Um, you know, she had the community, she had the friends, she was on her second marriage and the first marriage hadn't worked out very well. And she's doing all this cool catering. There are recipes in it too. I'd never seen that before. And I, I, so I read a lot of those books, if not all of them. Um, and I think that's what really got me thinking that cozies was something that I could pay attention to. But the other thing is that I still wasn't really, I would read cozies, a few cozies amongst the other things that I read. I never got into really um, reading a lot of cozies until I was being published by Poison Pen Press. So I started going to mystery conferences like Malice Domestic and Left Coast Crime and stuff. And I remember when I met people like Kate Carlisle and Jen McKinley, who are such nice people and so welcoming to you know sort of a new author that wasn't was kind of shy and awkward and all that and that because they've i met all these really nice people i thought these nice people must write nice books and turns out that they did so um <laughs> that that really boosted me and the, co the the cozy community is great i love the cozy community and that's what's really sort of propelled me more and more into reading cozies um, Vicki, your new, well, your latest series features Sherlockian type things. Do you have a favorite Sherlock interpretation on the big screen or the small screen? Oh, I'm question, I, I left in before you even finished the question. Yeah, um, Jeremy Brett to me is by far the, the ultimate um, <laughs> um, interpretation of Sherlock Holmes. I think that he's, when I think of Sherlock Holmes, I think of Jeremy Brett. For sure, I see that face. Um, I was also very fond of Benedict Cumberbatch, particularly in the first couple of seasons. I think that really went off track uh, towards the end, very much off track. But he still did such a really good job, and he's so cute with the curly hair and all that. So that's pretty much my favorites. Michelle, your series does feature cocktails and mixology. Do you have a favorite cocktail of your own? Tell. 
Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I have a lot of favorite cocktails, but <laughs> so I guess I'll go with the easy answer, which is I'm from Texas. So like I, you can't go wrong with a good margarita, but it has to be a good margarita, right? It has to have like good, good tequila. And, and I like to different, so different <laughs> and different flavors too. Like I like to taste all sorts of different things. And then, you know, my other one, that's another versatile cocktail that you can mix a bunch of different flavors with is uh, the old fashioned. Uh, my husband's from Kentucky. So bourbon is, is a big, big thing in our household. So um, yeah, with an old fashioned, you can mix in all kinds of different flavors too. So those are probably my two favorite sort of classics. That's great. Tracy, you had mentioned that your new book is kind of a riff on the parent trap. Yeah. <laughs> Which version do you think is better? And there is um, a correct answer. Yeah, the the first one with Haley yeah. Mills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I met her at at a conference. Uh, oh, gosh, in New Orleans, and she was so nice. Oh my gosh, she was nice. I love it when you get to meet people and they're really cool in person. That's true. Um, before we run out of time, I'd like each of you to tell us if you like what's next for you as an author, and we'll start with you, Tracy. Well, I hope to be able to start on the death at an Irish castle, and I am actually writing murder at a murder over a Scottish Christmas. I'm doing that right now, and also getting ready for book nine in the Salem Bed and Breakfast series. So, yeah. Michelle, um, I'm actually jumping into something totally new. Um, oh. It's a little bit outside of the cozy genre at the moment. I'm, I've just barely started it, so I don't really want to say too much about it, but yeah, it's, it's a fun new exercise. That's intriguing and mysterious. I know. <laughs> uh, Vicki, what about you? I know you have several projects in the works. I do. I have three books still coming for the rest of this year because I'm writing four cozy series now. So in June, it's Death Knells and Wedding Bells, the 10th Lighthouse Library series. In July, it will be... Oh, they're going to shoot me. I've forgotten the name. <laughs> I've genuinely forgotten the name of the fourth Tea by the Sea mystery from Pen from Kensington. Yeah, they're going to shoot me. Um, what is it? Sorry. I anyway, the fourth in the Tea by the Sea series is coming out in June or July, sorry. And then the next, which will be the sixth in the year-round Christmas series is coming out in September, which I'm quite excited about because this is kind of a reboot, if you will, of the series. It's changed publishers. It's going to be published now by Crooked Lane. So after a couple of years hiatus, all the characters from Rudolph, New York, America's Christmas Town, are going to be back. And before I carry on, I should mention the only one of my series that's written under a pseudonym is the Lighthouse Library series is by Eva Gates. Everything else is me, Vicki Delaney. How can readers learn more about you and your books? What social media are you on? Um, uh, websites, we'll start with you, Vicki. Oh, um, VickiDelaney.com is my website, B-I-C-K-I-D-E-L-A-N-Y. My email is Vicki at VickiDelaney.com. I'm on Facebook as Vicki Delaney and Eva Gates, um, or Eva Gates author. And I'm on Twitter. I don't do much on Twitter anymore. I do almost no book stuff on Twitter anymore, but I'm still there. And once in a while, I'll say something. And I'm on Instagram, <laughs> uh, Instagram as Vicki.Delaney. 
So, um, I'm and I have a newsletter if anybody would like to receive my quarterly newsletter, which next time we'll have pictures of me on the beach in Costa Rica. They are welcome to uh, sign up at my website or drop me a line by email. Michelle? Yeah, so I am at michelleclump.com um, and my email is michelle at michelleclump.com and they can sign yeah, up. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. um, and they can sign up for the newsletter where I, I drop cocktail recipes every month. So that's that's my feature there. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. It's michelle.h.clump there. And then I'm also on Twitter at mh underscore clump. That got a little confusing, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much most of the places. Uh, Facebook as well, Michelle Clump author. Gracie? Yeah, so uh, you can reach me at Tracy at TracyHall.com. <laughs> I am, uh, my website is uh, TracyHall.com. Facebook, Tracy Hall, also Tracy Wilton. And um, the Instagram as well is Tracy Hall author. And I love to hear from readers. So anytime, shoot me a line. Well, I can't believe how quickly our time has flown by. I'd like to thank our authors today, Vicki Delaney, Michelle Plump, and Tracy Hall, whose appearing is Ellie Brannigan, for sharing uh, thoughts about their new books and what's coming. And I'd like to thank all of those tuning in to another virtual author chat with the Poison Pen Bookstore. Thank you very much, Charles. Nice talking to everybody. Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you all. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you it's very, fun. very much. <laughs> Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.